Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by NetHealth. So who is NetHealth? NetHealth is the creator of Redoc powered by XFIT, which is a cloud-based, fully integrated EMR and billing solution. So you can expand your visit capacity, improve your workload efficiency, get paid for your services, which we all want, ramp up patient engagement to keep them coming back, and finally eliminate worries about documentation and compliance. So if you want to learn more about NetHealth and more about Redoc and the complete revenue cycle management services, check them out at nethealth.com slash healthy. So a huge thanks to NetHealth for sponsoring today's episode. And speaking of today's episode, we have co-host Dr. Shannon Sepulveda at the helm this week. Shannon is the owner and physical therapist at Shannon Sepulveda PLLC. She's an orthopedic and women's health physical therapist and is currently the only board certified women's health physical therapist in Montana. So Shannon is going to be doing Uh, interviews for us here on Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart once a month, and I'm so excited to have her on. She's a natural. And in this episode, she is interviewing Brianna Battles. Brianna is the CEO of Everyday Battles, LLC. She specializes in coaching pregnant and postpartum athletes, as well as educating coaches on how to help athletes navigate the physical and mental considerations of athleticism during these chapters in a woman's life. She has online courses and resources for both fitness professionals and athletes, and is the founder of the movement and online education pregnancy, and postpartum athleticism. She has built an international team of coaches who are equipped to work with pregnant and postpartum athletes. She has her master's degree in coaching and athletic administration and her bachelor's degree in kinesiology. She is an active member of the NSCA, where she is a certified strength and conditioning specialist and a USAW sports performance coach. So, so excited to have both Brianna and Shannon talking about postpartum exercise. So what are they talking about? Common diagnosis, diagnoses following pregnancy that impacts an athlete's performance, how trainers and physical therapists can collaborate for the postpartum athlete, the good and bad of social media during the postpartum period, and cultural expectations surrounding what postpartum should look like. So they really get into a lot of great subjects here. It's like listening to two experts talk. So everyone enjoy today's episode. Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast. I'm your guest host, Shannon Sepulveda. I'm here with Brianna Battles. Bri, welcome to the podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about more about you and what you do? Yeah, thank you for having me. I am a women's strength conditioning coach. I coach coaches and athletes on how to train through pregnancy and uh, postpartum. Great. So, Brie, what are the most common diagnoses that you see with pregnant and postpartum women athletes? Um, I think that question kind of depends because a lot of the athletes I work with don't know um, that they have symptoms. They don't know that symptoms are something to really acknowledge through their pregnancy. 
Um, a lot of athletes are told to listen to their body and do what they've always done. So they do. And, um, and so my job is to create awareness around what, how to listen to your body, how to adjust your training through pregnancy and how to reintegrate into training postpartum so that we can, um, hopefully mitigate symptoms or manage them or create awareness around, um, around what we are feeling and experiencing, um, so I guess as a coach, I see things a little bit differently. Um, my job is to, I'm not necessarily, I, obviously I'm not diagnosing any symptoms, but I'm trying to just help create awareness around maybe some of the feedback that they're giving me or some things that I'm noticing in their movement patterns and also how they're approaching training through these chapters, um, that mindset that goes along with it. So maybe let's let's break this down and talk about some things that you know I see as a PT. So I'm a women's health physical therapist. So my most common pregnancy postpartum diagnoses would be pelvic organ prolapse, diastasis recti, um, stress urinary incontinence. So that's the leakage of urine with coughing, sneezing, laughing, um, and urgency. And probably urgency doesn't really fit into this picture as much. But maybe if you could break it down and talk about specifically diastasis, mm-hmm. pelvic organ prolapse, and stress incontinence, and what you see with pregnant and postpartum women, um, signs and symptoms to look out for, um, and ways to be more aware of things that are going on within your body. Right. So yeah, I mean, absolutely. A lot of the athletes uh, do reach out to me online and locally. Um, I think there's a lot of fear around, um, especially diastasis. We've seen a huge pendulum swing in my community. And again, I work primarily with pregnant and postpartum athletes. And so they oftentimes will get really caught up in, um, in what's normal, what's not, um, and be really concerned about the aesthetics. So first and foremost, I think diastasis is something that is brought to me a lot. And then incontinence seems to be something that is... Um, an assumed normalcy, not just for moms, but for like a high, highly athletic demand, like double unders or sprints or at the bottom of squat peeing or deadlifting. And like, that's just assumed like, well, that just happens to women sometimes. Um, and then with pelvic organ prolapse, I'll, most of the women I work with don't even know what that is until like they have to know what that is, or they've been told what that is by a PT or by a Eurogyne or, or whatnot. So um, when I work with these women, it's first and foremost to educate them about what this means and how it um, impacts their current exercise choice and what their goal is, and then really helping them dial in a strategy and some adjusted movement patterns that will assist in hopefully helping them rehab and really manage their symptoms in a way where they can become um, incredibly like less symptomatic and also pursue the levels of performance that they want to, um, you know, as they heal and rehab and retrain, um, parts of their body and connect it as a system so that they, they feel really confident moving forward and knowing again, what to listen for when they're told to just listen to their body. Great. Um, so I'm going to kind of set up a picture of these diagnoses for the women listeners in case they don't understand. So a diastasis recti is going to be um, 
a separation of the abdominal muscles, specifically the rectus abdominis at the linea alba. So that's the connective tissue um, that connects the two rectus abdominis muscles. And so in um, pregnancy, actually studies show that like almost 100% of women are going to have some sort of diastasis at the end of pregnancy. So we know it's fairly normal in pregnancy. The problem is, is um, postpartum when the two muscle bellies do not come together. Um, and that will happen um, in some women postpartum. Um, and then, uh, so stress incontinence we talked about is the leakage of urine with coughing, sneezing, laugh, laughing, jumping. Pelvic organ prolapse um, is the herniation or the pushing of one of the organs into the vaginal canal. So most commonly we're going to see um, the bladder, which is also called a cystocele. Um, we can also see a rectocele um, or an apical prolapse of the uterus. Um, and generally those symptoms are going to be uh, symptoms of a bulge, um, symptoms of heaviness, of a falling out. Um, so just for women listeners, those are kind of the symptoms that you'll feel with the three most common diagnosis. Do you have anything else to add with that? Yeah, I think um, in terms of, again, my scope as a coach is, is what I'm seeing and what I'm observing in my athletes, and that's like their positioning or the load or the volume, um, the intensity that they're, they're putting on this part of their body. Um, maybe during a chapter that can't handle that, maybe like it normally does, like pregnancy, um, so if we take impact into consideration, maybe jumping rope feels totally normal, normal, um, without a baby in you. But then when you add the demand of, um, a growing baby in your belly, that extra pressure on the pelvic floor may create symptoms or, um, just maybe a lot of stress on our pelvic floor. And then that could have repercussions postpartum. We don't totally know but my job is to help manage that risk versus reward of how we're training through pregnancy and then how we're um, returning to training postpartum, um, really taking into account the readiness. With something like diastasis, it's, it's knowing what movements are contributing to that shift in pressure and where is that pressure going? Is it pressing straight out into the linea alba and is that their tendency and that, that's their, maybe their normal strategy is to push out into the linea alba when in pregnancy, a baby is already doing that. So let's not um, create more pressure and aggravate an already aggravated um, part of our body. So um, again, creating awareness around what our tendencies are, what symptoms are, and if we're experiencing them, how can we move and um, not just in exercise, but in lifestyle and habits in a way that will hopefully help decrease the severity of symptoms and um, help postpartum. Yeah, and I think that's really important. Um, and I think just as we were discussing before, we have no research to say like, if you do double unders at 34 weeks pregnant, you're going to develop X postpartum. Or if you're running at 36 weeks pregnant, you're gonna get pelvic organ prolapse. Like there's so many different factors. And then we do have outliers. We have women that do crazy things until then they run marathons and they're fine. And then we have women that don't do anything and they're not okay. And so it's really frustrating to try to figure out what's going on when we don't really have much research or evidence to say like you are a candidate for X or right. you have to be careful with X. Right. And I, I always come back to, because you're right, we have, we have no evidence and the, the people I work with um, a lot of times, and I say this as somebody who 
who identifies as, <laughs> as part of this population, um, we often feel exempt, like our experience and our education and our abilities um, mean that we won't face symptoms or we won't have any issues or problems. But um, I think the best thing that we can do to navigate our fitness through pregnancy and postpartum is to ask ourselves, why do we want to keep pursuing this? Why do we want to maintain or push when this is our body is absolutely adapting and changing just like it does with any other um, any other component of our life, whether that's aging or an injury or um, just different demands in our life, like we're not sleeping a lot and we kind of have to honor those other challenges that may present themselves in our lifetime of fitness and pregnancy is one of those chapters and and postpartum are one of those chapters that we if we can really take a step back and look at why are we wanting to do this or why are we trying to maintain or push push the boundaries what is the risk versus the reward can i do it versus should i do it and and trying to like really logic through and use as much common sense as possible. So while we don't have any evidence that says jumping rope at 36 weeks pregnant is going to give you prolapse, but if I can logic through it and say, okay, that's a lot of impact, a lot of repetitive impact on a part of my body that's already has a lot of stress on it. And then I may or may not have a vaginal birth. And so then that's, that is trauma. And even if it's a, you know, perfect delivery, whatever that means, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, like, so that is trauma to a region of my body. And like, if we look at birth, like we would any other like orthopedic injury or consideration, and I've worked in, in sports and collegiate athletics for years. So I think being, for me to be able to talk about this chapter from a very athletic standpoint, um, we just, we have to just try to make the most informed decisions possible um, without ego getting in the way and just letting like as much common sense and the information that we do have and knowing that like what we do now matters for our long-term health and performance and control the things we can and also surrender to the things that we can't like this might need to be an adjusted chapter of our training um, so that again controlling what we can we can make we can return to the things that we want to do um, and again, this is coming from a bias of working with very like athletic minded people that don't want to stop. They don't want to modify. They don't want to think that they, they need to adjust how they train. So it is kind of a tricky path to walk. And I always kind of have to err on the side of, of managing that risk versus reward conversation for the research and the symptoms and, and the feedback and the tendencies that I do see as a coach and that I have experienced also personally. Yeah, and I think I, I think in all honesty, the hardest is the first time moms. Oh yeah. Because it's like, once you've gone through it, you know what birth is like, you know what the recovery is like. But when you're newly pregnant and you're an athlete, you're like, I'm gonna keep doing this. Yeah. I mean, I was like, I'm gonna keep running, yeah. you know? And it's really hard to explain to a first time mom, like exactly what happens. I mean, because birth is a traumatic event. I like, so I'm from Montana and we ski a lot. So I like to tell my women that if you suffered the same injury in a ski crash, like if your quadricep muscle suffered, if you hit a tree and your quadricep muscle suffered the same injury that your pelvic floor muscles did during a normal vaginal childbirth, like, the doctor would be like, go to physical therapy. Right. You know, like it would be automatic. Right. But because it's birth, we're just like, yeah, you're good. 
good. Right. Six weeks, you're good. I know. It is so frustrating and it's so hard to get that message out there without sounding like a buzzkill. But Mm -hmm. I, I try to say like, I work with some of the best athletes in the entire world. And if they have to adjust their pregnancy training and their postpartum recovery and have a team of people that are willing to support them, you better believe that the mom trying to go to boot camp a few days a week just to like, you know, feel good in her body or get her body back. And I hate even saying that, but like that is also, that's the majority of us is like recreational exercisers. Um, No one is exempt. No one is exempt from this. Like this has to be a really global conversation of like birth is a big deal. Pregnancy changes your body and postpartum is not just a six week timeline. It is an ongoing change. Mm-hmm. And then even if you're a year postpartum, like you're still like not your normal self. You are continually finding this new homeostasis. Yeah. And especially, I mean, I like to tell my patients, I mean, if they're nursing, yeah. I say like your hormones aren't back to normal until three to four months after you stop nursing. Right. right. And we do have evidence that supports that. Correct. Like this, you know, and, and, but again, there's, our culture is so much about like getting your body back and getting your, your athleticism back and mm-hmm. getting your routine back. But when you are trying to adjust to a new life in your life mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you're nourishing that life and you're just working through this transition and you're not sleeping, like nothing in life is normal. We can't expect our body in any way, like aesthetics or function or whatever to just like snap back. Yeah. It is such an unrealistic expectation. And then people are so devastated when they're three months postpartum. They're like, well, God, I still like can't do this or I still look like that. And I, my typical response is like, you are supposed to, and there's also help if you are symptomatic, that's not something you just have to deal with or like set aside. You know, I know that we're all sort of get into survival mode, but your body and your function and your life it for like these long-term goals, you know, we need that help initially. And, uh, that should take precedence over getting to boot camp five days a week. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. So along those lines, so I'm a PT and you're a trainer. Yeah. Um, and so I see women, I do internal exams. I do lots of modifications and exercises, but you know, I get so many women that say like, well, I want to go back to this class. What do you think? And it's hard for me sometimes because a lot of the classes that they want to go back to um, focus a lot on rectus abdominis work, jumping, mommy boot camp impact. Um, So how can we as PTs and you as trainers work together to help these women within our like within our scope of practice? Yeah. Um, I think really open communication and a willingness for both physical therapists to reach out to coaches and practitioners, coaches and trainers, um, or different like franchises that we know that our, our, your patients are going to. Um, I think years ago before I was really involved in this, I would have appreciated knowing like, okay, if I'm working with a mom. A, pev- a pelvic floor physical therapist is a thing and that's somebody I should refer to. Like I just didn't, I just didn't know. Like I had no idea. And I know that a lot of my peers as both athletes and other coaches don't know that it's a thing. So um, obviously there's been a huge like shift in like awareness and popularity over the past year or two, at least from my, my views. Um, and so I think the willingness to work together and then also that like 
initiating that conversation of PT being willing to reach out to a coach because I think we're really intimidated but I've also heard that PTs are really intimidated also to reach out so it's like we're both wanting to date each other but like no one is is like (laughs) trying to um, make it happen so I think that's huge like I I would have loved to have somebody reach out to me it would made it it would have made me feel like really like wow that's awesome um and then just to collaborate like I am so grateful to learn as much as I can from the PTs that I get to work with and network with, like whether it's just through emails or different cases, different patients that we, you know, it it is such a critical form of continuing education for me um, because that's not anything that I'm taught in school. And so if I can know what's going on with this person, I'm learning like, what is that called? And like, what does that actually mean? Okay, I understand anatomy and physiology, but that's a whole different level of anatomy and physiology because then it's sort of sometimes an altered state of anatomy and physiology. And that sure as heck wasn't in any of my education or certifications. Um, And then from a plea from a coach perspective to a PT is like, give us the benefit of the doubt. Like we're trying and we we don't know what you do clinically. But we also know a lot about strength and conditioning or about CrossFit or about triathlons or about whatever like kind of boot camp program that we run. We know a lot about movement and like we can help teach you about movement and then like learn from each other to best to combine brains and to combine efforts and know, um, well, if we drop the range of motion, if we increase the load or decrease the load or increase the volume, like that is an ongoing experiment and PTs need coaches because coaches are the first line of defense. Women don't know to go to physical therapists yet. And so if we are good together, then so I get, and this happens in my business all the time. I get people and come to me. My questionnaire includes like pelvic health questions. Like, do you leak? Do you have any like pain, pressure, vaginal birth, cesarean, blah, blah, blah. Very basics, but it's at least enough data for me to know um, right off the bat if I'm even ready to work with this person. Or if I am coaching them and I'm watching a few things and I can immediately say like, hey, you know, like, I think you should really go see my colleague. She's a pelvic floor physical therapist and she can really help you out in ways that I am not qualified to or know how to. And then if we can both work together, you will progress a lot faster um, than just working with one of us individually. Yeah. And I think it's really great. I mean, for me in particular, I have a small office with limited equipment, so I'm not seeing people three times a week to do deadlifts, right? right? And so if I have someone that I trust and I know knows about these issues, it's great for me to say, oh, go see so-and-so because they will take care of you for your training three days a week because right. that's not what I do. You know, I can show you strategies to do your deadlift with a PVC pipe, but you know, I don't have that equipment available. And I know some women's health physical therapists do, but a lot of us, you right. know, don't. We just have a little office and we do work and we look at movement for sure, but we're not looking at, we don't have a giant gym right. space. Right, and we just have different like trained eyes and brains too. Like what you see in movement might be different than what I see in movement in, and both are complementary. And if we combine both rather than just your lens and just my lens, I mean, that is when I see the most magic happen with my clients who are rehabbing um, or working through their pregnancy, managing some symptoms. Like if we, if I can take what their PT says and then I really help them figure out how to progress their training or regress their training, it's just, it's extra data and feedback for me to know how to adjust my programming for them 
And that's even in like a group setting because I'm not doing one-on-one training anymore. So even when I have somebody who has very specific um, requirements, I suppose it helps me know, okay, she has this going on or uh, I know the PT said she couldn't do this or was ready to start doing this. It just, it helps me better manage um, her needs in a class environment. Okay, so let's um, switch gears a little bit, and I want to talk about social media for a second, because I think it's good and bad, and I see a lot of women who just get so frustrated because they see these professional athletes. So so I'm in Bozeman, Montana, and we actually have a lot of elite athletes um, that have babies, and come see me and they see X triathlete or a CrossFitter or whoever right. who's like bounce back like this. And they think because they have a diastasis or they're leaking that like something's wrong with them that they like, how can these other people bounce back so quickly? And I can't. Yeah. Um, and I think possibly social media is also going in the opposite direction saying it's okay. But I think there's more of like, here's my amazing story about how I, bounced back from pregnancy and won whatever. Right. Um, and so can you talk a little bit about that and, and what women should see and do and think about when they see these things? Right. I think um, the first and foremost is never compare yourself to who you see on social media and what their story is because chances are even if she looks like she's bounced back, we don't know what's going on with her behind the scenes in any way, like postpartum depression, anxiety, um, stress, trauma, incontinence, prolapse, diastasis. We don't really know because the people that are sharing the like glorification of, of bouncing back and getting back to everything normally, um, we just don't, we don't fully know if that is the whole picture. So first and foremost, it's, it's not a comparison. We just got to stay in our own lane with our own goals and comparing when else in our life would we compare our lifestyle to an elite athlete? Like we don't do that, (laughs) you know? So like why start during such a vulnerable chapter, like pregnancy and postpartum where we know pregnancy is different for every woman, no matter how much you try to control it's, it is such an X factor. And then birth is an X factor. No matter, again, no matter what you do and the recovery is an X factor, even with the most amazing tools and like team it's still like there are so many variables to consider and so then to get on social media and say oh my god why is that woman's stomach so flat well it's because she took like 50 pictures and angled herself really well and wore some like the right garment to make it look like she didn't have a baby two months ago and like like so many things are easily manipulated and i see it a lot and and you know like But then again, I also see women that just like they do, like they do just sort of bounce back and I kind of hate using that word, but like, (laughs) you know, they, they do like, and it's, and it is their own specific set of like, of circumstances, you know, like maybe they're just genetically like able to recover differently than myself or than the women that I work with. And I don't know, I see quite a variety of stories and, um, and it is, it can be really hard and discouraging when we typically see just a lot of like bounce back and pursuing my athletic goals and signed up for half marathon at three months postpartum. Um, and I try to remind the athletes that I work with like that that is not our main goal of postpartum. Postpartum is not about athleticism. And I literally created a whole like 
community of pregnancy and postpartum athleticism. But like postpartum is not about your athleticism. Postpartum is about adjusting to your new life and your new set of demands and your new like changed body and then pursuing whatever fitness you like doing in a way that's going to complement your body and complement the chapter that you're in. And that it's supposed to change. We're supposed to like adapt and we are resilient, but like when we compare ourselves to other people, even if that's comparing to who we were prior to this baby or prior to babies in general, that's a sure way to set yourself up for disappointment. And no new mom needs that. We already, you know, (laughs) we already struggle enough. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. What do you hope to accomplish in 2018? I bet providing even better patient care and increasing revenue are top on the list. First, expand your visit capacity. Then get paid for your services, ramp up patient engagement, and eliminate worries about documentation and compliance. The good news is there's one solution that brings it all to the table. Redoc, powered by XFIT, is a cloud-based, fully integrated EMR and billing solution. Imagine PT billing, coding, compliance experts taking the back office work off your hands and reporting to you. Learn more about Redoc and complete revenue cycle management services at nethealth.com slash healthy. So I, I also want to touch on something that you brought up with the social media um, that I'm involved with a lot in my hometown of Bozeman, and that's um, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. And I, I think it's great that you touched upon this because... We know that a lot of women suffer um, from, we call them PMADs, but perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. Um, And I think it's a lot of it is actually tied into exercise and possibly social media as well. Um, And so I think it's great to be aware of that and to know that that is something to look for in our postpartum and pregnant women as well. I mean, I screen for it when I see my clients, but... Um, do you look for that in particular? Um, and what do you see with your patients, especially like an athletic population? Yeah. Um, you know, as a, as a coach, the majority of work I do with pregnancy and postpartum athleticism, and again, that's kind of the brand that I've created with coaches and also like the messaging and methodology for athletes. So it's not, my focus is, it's like, Core and pelvic health is such a small focus of what I do, even though I work with pregnant and postpartum athletes and I understand the components of pelvic health and core health, the majority of what I do is speaking to their mindset for navigating pregnancy and navigating postpartum because this is a chapter in our womanhood and in our athleticism and in our motherhood that like it affects our identity. It affects everything we've ever known. Nothing is normal during these chapters and that can be so hard for an athlete who is typically like this is very generalized of course but like athletes like to be in control we like to make make decisions and do things kind of on our terms because it's what we've always done and it's like this ingrained skill set and behavior and so when you throw in variables like pregnancy and anything that can go into pregnancy any complication any variable any energy whatever like consideration symptoms um that can it can really like affect how a woman feels and if she's not able to train the way that she normally likes to then then it's like another loss of identity and another loss of like something that makes her feel good that's part of her normal routine 
Um, and then postpartum, absolutely. Then it's adjusting to a whole new life and a whole new set of demands and where it's, you know, you might not be able to get to the gym or your body's in a state where it's not ready to run yet. It's not. And you tell a runner not to run and they, they will run anyway. We know this, but like, because it is so connected to their mental health, whether they understand that or know that or recognize that is is a whole other question. But I think when we can start saying like, Hey, this is, this is a challenging chapter and it's more beyond the physical changes to your body. There's a mental and emotional shift that needs to happen. There's a mental and emotional pause that needs to occur in order for you to like come into this and, and be the athlete that you want to be. And then be the mom that like, that we're all trying to be like, and none of us are doing this perfectly at all. But like, I think the more we can, we can acknowledge that, you know, so much of our choices in pregnancy and then so much of our circumstances, sometimes postpartum are, are connected to just how we view ourselves and, and how we've always identified and our abilities and, and saying like, you are not just a runner. You are an awesome woman and you're an awesome wife and you're an awesome at your career and you enjoy doing all these other things too. And so you are more than how many miles you can run or you're more than how many classes you can get to per week or you are more than like the current state of your pelvic floor and you are more than your diastasis and like all of these things that matter so much more than any kind of fitness or gym routine. I just, I think that we have to harp on that as, as a coach. And so while I'm not out there going, oh gosh, you know, like Shannon looks like she's having a really hard day today. Like if she shows up late to my class and she looks like she's about to cry, I'm not going to like say, hey, Shannon, do some burpees. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm going to reach out to her. I'm going to say, hey, like what's going on? And okay, I, obviously you're, you're stressed and you're like, you want to like be, don't want to be a mom today. I get it. Like, how can I help you? And in my business, I, locally here, I've been able to create a great um, community where I have like, 10 to 15 women that I see three times a week and like they all have each other and we just sort of like community parent in, in the class that I run so that so that there is help and support. And we know when someone's having a rough day, like at least they have a place they can go and they can bring their kid if they need to. And and I've just sort of tried to instill a business and an effort that is supportive of the whole woman not just of fitness that stuff doesn't matter as much as like how she processes and and feels in herself when she's outside of the gym too yeah and i think those are great points um and i think i'd also like to add that um it's also great to have um resources outside of your scope and so like if you do see a woman who's really struggling to have a list of counselors that work with postpartum and pregnant women that have specific training in that right um because those of us who are you know trained professionals are we're trained to see the signs and symptoms of perinatal mood and anxiety disorders which includes anxiety ocd depression which is very prevalent um and in my hometown we have a postpartum resource guide that lists you know all of the counselors and pts and alternative therapies and things that I'm able to yeah. provide to my women. But I think as all healthcare professionals, we also need to start looking at mental health as well. Oh, which, so I'm really grateful that you brought that up. Yeah, no, I mean, and the same, and I've personally just gone and tried to get an idea of who am I referring to? Like I'll go and I will pay to see <laughs> a therapist. I'm all for it. Um, 
And I'll know like what therapists in this area do I feel really confident referring to? Just like I want to feel really confident when I refer to a lactation consultant, just like I want to feel really confident when I refer to a physical therapist or a chiropractor, whoever it may be, I want to feel like I know who the people are who are all on the same team with our own given gifts and scope of practice. And I think the really great thing that I've learned after becoming a mom is that when you meet another woman who's a mom, you automatically have something to talk about. Yeah. Like you, you know, like previous to that, you know, maybe you didn't really have a lot of things in common, but now you do have a lot of things in common. And so, um, one of my, uh, PT mentors says once postpartum, always postpartum, you know, and women talk, like they talk about when they pee their pants, they talk about their symptoms, they talk about their lactation problems, they talk about their mental health. And I think it's great. Um, it's great that you brought up lactation too, that like, we have a list of these resources. So when women come to us and tell us these things, because a lot of times they're going to tell us things more than they're going to tell their doctors. Right. And it's great that we all understand that and have resources in our community to help them. Right. Or, you know, there wasn't a spelled out list of resources in my community and there absolutely should be where I live. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I am right outside of Los Angeles, California. Like there should be, this should be readily available. And it took me two years to connect dots in my, and not even a big suburb here. Like it took a really long time to figure out who's on my team, who's worth traveling to, who can I really refer to? Like it is just, unfortunately it is not always so readily available. So if we are working with women, like you have to be the proactive coach or practitioner or whoever who just gets out there and is like, I'm going to make these connections because I know the people coming into my gym or coming into my practice or coming into yeah, like my personal training business, whatever it may be, I need to have a team to refer them to so that we're actually really helping this person. We can't just out train our mental health or whatnot. So. Yeah. And I, I think um, it's been great, at least in my community, like every time I've reached out to a practitioner, whether it be an acupuncturist, a chiropractor, a physician, a trainer, um, and said, hey, do you want to have coffee? I want to learn about what you do. Yeah. I've never had a no. Yeah. And it's been amazing. And those are the people that I want to refer to Mm -hmm. (laughs) because they, I'm like, I want to refer to you. I want to know what you do. I want to know how you can help women, especially postpartum women. Right. And I think it's wonderful. Like no one's ever. None of of us can do this alone and none of us can save everybody, but together, like in a really collaborative effort where ego is set aside, we can take all of our strengths and, um, and use them and then fill in the parts, fill in our weaknesses with other people who can complement that. So um, let's talk about resources available for pregnant and postpartum athletes. So if they have questions about um, athleticism and fitness in pregnancy and postpartum, what resources do do you suggest that are available for them to look at either online or in person and things like that? Uh, well, I, oh gosh, it's been such a journey. So, you know, I, five years ago, I came into this after the birth of my son. Um, and I realized like, wow, nobody understands me. Like I didn't really feel like I connected to the typical pre and postnatal messaging. Again, I didn't know pelvic floor physical therapy was a thing. And I just felt like everything was like 
an extreme. I was either like gentle exercise and like stuff that just didn't res like exercise that didn't resonate with me, or it was like listen to your body, do what you've always done, do CrossFit up until the day that your baby comes out, go into labor at the gym, whatever. Like, and that was definitely where I was at. I was on that side of like let's you know squat the baby out, um, and back then. Like I, there was, I couldn't find anything and nothing that resonated with me. And so that really kind of jump started my effort as somebody who had been coaching for years. And that's what my background and education is in. I just knew like I needed to learn as much as I could in order to create resources for people like me, for both people that were like me as an athlete. And then people like me as a coaching professional who was like, I should know this beyond Maybe the pre and postnatal stuff that didn't feel like it connected with me and what I wanted to do. There's a lot of us. I wasn't like, I wasn't special. It's just, there wasn't a lot of resources. And so this is a really long winded answer to say, I've, I've mentored under a few people and I've been able to connect a lot of dots. I refer to Julie Weave. I refer to Anthony Lowe. I refer to, um, Haley Shevner and um, I've created a professional network for coaches called Pregnancy and Postpartum Athleticism. And now there's close to 300 coaches around the world that, that have 50 hours, which is better than nothing, of education surrounding pregnancy and postpartum athleticism. And so there are more coaches in more communities that at the very least can like damage control and help and learn from PTs. And that is so much more than there was years ago. I've tried to create a lot of free eBooks that are just very, like if you don't do or invest in anything, at least read this so that you have some information so that every decision that you're making is an informed one and that you don't have to say, gee, I wish I would have known because myself and far too many other people that were pregnant not that long ago, like again, that four to five year window, where all of us were saying, why didn't anyone tell us that? Why was I educated and athletic and experienced and I still didn't know this? Why? That's a problem. That's a problem in the fitness industry. That's a problem in the physical therapy bubble. Like it is a problem that it was not that long ago that there was still just not, it wasn't out there or as as accessible and popular as it should have been. Um, and so, yeah, I think just kind of submersing ourselves in as much free information as possible and then investing in, I tell all of my athletes if they can, go work with a PT through your pregnancy because you are collecting data about your own body and you're adjusting from a, a, in a way that like you can't do on your own. Like you need that extra set of eyes and hands. So if you can do that, if not, get the, the free information out there, read the blogs, get the the $50 online course, get, you know, one of my online courses, read this thing, like just go into your pregnancy, knowing you are not exempt. And with that, knowing there is information and people that are so ready and willing to help you. Yeah. And I think that that's great and wonderful. Um, and from the PT side, um, I, uh, the section on women's health of the American physical therapy association, you can log on mm -hmm. and um, find a women's health PT. Um, those of us who have the WCS, so the Women's Health Certification Board Specialty, um, have passed an exam for women's health. And specifically for um, the higher level female athlete, I think 
it's um, important to ask the women's health physical therapist if they treat athletes. Because when we are trained, a lot of us are trained, we're trained in internal work, um, but unless you've sought specific training through either Julie Weeb, Anthony Lowe, or people like that, um, some people are not as familiar with um, crossfitters or runners or like the higher level athletes. Um, and so I think that's really important to ask when you go see a women's health physical therapist. Some people specialize in pain. Right. And that's great. And some people specialize in urgent continence and some people specialize in bowels and it's all kind of under this umbrella of women's health. But you definitely want someone who um, specializes in women's health and female athleticism, which may not be readily available in your community, unfortunately. So at least go to a women's health therapist. Right. I say like go there and like you don't have to, we don't have to expect the PTs to understand CrossFit. Yes. I mean, it's not really your job to, Mm -hmm. right? I expect you to understand movement and I expect you to understand the client that comes into you and says like, I need help Mm -hmm. and I want my symptoms to go away and help me do that. And then, okay, here's my coach. This is the kind of program I like to do. Mm -hmm. This is the kind of training I like to do. Can you guys get together and connect the dots for me? We should be able to do that as people that speak movement, Mm -hmm. me as a coach, you as a PT should be able to come together and help this woman because I don't have to understand every component of pelvic health in order to help her. Just like you don't have to understand every component of CrossFit in order to help her. But together, yeah, we can. Like, it is not as hard and as difficult as we make it out to be. I want everyone to go and at least get an assessment because, again, it's a source of feedback that I could never get or I could never give them Mm -hmm. and that they could never fully understand themselves. But if you give me that feedback and you give me that information, I can do enough with it to help them really manage symptoms. And that's something that I'm doing, something that my coaches are doing, where we can be that first line of defense and really like work together with the PTs in our community and then reach even more women in our community. Um, and I'm seeing that happen everywhere. And that's, I'm very proud of that. Cause again, I know exactly what it was like four or five years ago where it took two years to even have anyone who understood me. Yeah. And I think another really great thing that's coming out of all of this is telehealth. Mm-hmm. Right. And so um, PTs are we're starting to do it and it's awesome. And of course, there's certain things that we can't do, right. you know, but there's a lot of things that we can do. Like we can look at movement, we can mm-hmm. change movement. And I think coaches, too, like, I mean, you probably maybe see people online as well where you can like look and see. And there's a lot of stuff we can do. So right. you don't have to travel six hours. Right. Yeah. You know, there's certain things we can't, but there's a lot of things we can't. Absolutely. And just knowing like what's available and then putting that out there, that that is like an accessible option for people. Yeah. Um, I think that like that popular, like the, um, I don't think a lot of people even know that that's a thing or if it is a thing, who can they seek out and where do they find those people that do that? And, and then honestly for a new mom, that's so much effort, got no time for that. So Mm -hmm. I think, you know, if we can, up our game as the the people in the fitness industry that are working with this population and then women's health physical therapists like put it out there like these services and um, the accessibility of it needs to be promoted in a way that is resonating with the women that need it the most yeah and I think I think that's great and I think we're just in like the little baby steps of telehealth right now but I'm hoping that it's going to become more and more popular and insurances are going to start yeah covering it more and more so like 
yeah, it's not possible for a woman to drive five hours. No, or if she does, she can do it one time. Exactly, yeah. One time, and then, hey, PT, get on the phone with her coach or her trainer and say, she is not ready to run those three miles. But can she run about 100 feet, and then we see what her symptoms are like? Or maybe she's not ready to do 25 crunches, but can she do five? And what is her strategy like? Let's make sure she's not doing this or that. Watch for these tendencies. Yeah, that's something we can do. Yeah. So um, what changes as a society do you think we need to make to support pregnant and postpartum female athletes? There's your million-dollar question. Yeah. I feel like that's like my job description, right? <laughs> it's like trying to change the culture. Um, yeah, it's hard. I think it's taking the shift away from – or the focus away from um, – how we how we identify by like what we do or can't do and how we interpret that and then um like I don't know I just think there's so much to be said for like finding our identity in ways that extend beyond the chapter that we're in and knowing that like what we how we approach pregnancy and how we approach postpartum is just like it's such a temporary chapter and our expectations can't be what we see online. Our expectations can't be what we hear on TV or, or in the magazines, because that's not the reality for the majority of people. And I see the like the people that like technically should maybe make like this super fast, like they're already so lean and so fit and so like strong or whatever. Like I work with those people, and even those people look are very pregnant and then like they look like they had a baby and they have stretched skin and they have stretch marks and like maybe we don't see that popularized but I can tell you that it is happening and it affects like we are all in this chapter what we see online and what we're told as a society is like just like train through your pregnancy and like just because that's what's healthiest and that's what's best for your baby and or whatever and I think there's like these these blanket statements that can feel really detrimental when things don't go as planned or when you feel like, well, I shouldn't have done that or and then like this blame and guilt and and I think just giving yourself a little bit more grace, surrendering to the process and then patience and trust postpartum is huge. Like there is such a rush to get back to normal, a rush to get your body like to what you want it to be, a rush to get your running or, or CrossFit or lifts or whatever it may be. Um, rush to sign up for the race and I just think that like the more time we give ourselves um, to adjust and to heal and to rehab and then to progress like a true progressive overload approach to our training where it's it's not just pick up where I left off before getting pregnant or even pick up where I left off when I was 40 weeks pregnant it is a slow gradual um you know process and I'm 10 months postpartum now and I'm just now starting to like kind of sort of feel and like resemble maybe my previous self, but I am not who I was before getting pregnant the second time. I'm not, I look different. I feel different. And I think it's like, it's taking ownership of that and then telling people, putting that message out there. So I tell all my coaches that, you know, that are, that are working on this effort is like, share your stuff, share your information, share your own personal story so that it becomes a more popularized message and not just the like look here's what I look like at whatever weeks postpartum or like not gaining too much weight during pregnancy and like trying to like maintain a certain look in pregnancy like that's detrimental too so 
I think just being really forthcoming with your struggles and your successes um, helps us all connect a lot more. Yeah, and I think something uh, recently that came out within, I think it's the past month or so, so Mm -hmm. the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, ACOG, came out with a committee opinion about the fourth trimester Um, basically saying it's a thing and we should be screening for things. So we should be screening for mental health. We should be screening for um, vaginal health. We should be screening for a lot of different things. And maybe the six-week postpartum appointment isn't the be-all end-all, you know? Weird. Amazing. (laughs) I know. I know. But it is great that we have It's awesome. I mean, I'm just so happy that it came out and um, it's facilitated facilitated so many conversations between physicians and other practitioners, um, be it physical therapists, counselors, whomever, um, lactation consultants that women see postpartum. Um, And I think it's just opening up the gate and opening up a conversation to have um, with the OBs who generally see women afterwards. And say you're clear. Yeah. And I've been, I mean, I've been referencing that, I feel like every other day in the groups that I run because it's like, well, why can't I do this, this, or this? And I'm saying, like, well, it's not that I'm telling you that you can't. It's like, here's what you need to consider, Link. You know? Yeah. It's like, because it, it does extend beyond my opinion, even a professional opinion, it still extends beyond that. Like, now we can say, like, the fourth trimester is really a thing. Your body it has gone through a major, like, metamorphosis. Mm-hmm. Acknowledge that. Just like you would any other injury or setback in your life. Like, this is. This is a big deal. Your body just went through a huge shift and change, and you cannot expect it to just be ready and normal. Nothing is normal. (laughs) Yeah. No, I think that's great advice. Um, So why don't you tell us a bit about your online coaching course and the free gift that you're going to give to our listeners today? Um, I, yeah, so again, trying to be who I needed, I created... um, Uh, online educational self-paced course for coaches and practitioners who want to learn how to work with pregnant and postpartum athletes. And I brought in, um, gosh, probably close to 15 different professionals who interviewed for the course. So when topics did extend out of my scope of practice, I brought in the pros and um, they they helped complement the content in the course. But um, it does take a look at um, all the different considerations for pregnant and postpartum athletes, whether it is their actual like training, barbell training, kettlebell yoga, um, and Pilates. I've brought in experts to speak on those specific um, components, and then just understanding positioning and um, tendencies, breathing, like tension, all the different things that we need to be recognizing as coaches um, when we're watching people pursue whatever athletic kind of demand they are choosing to do. Um, and yeah, it's been great. Again, there's now close to like 300 coaches um, and practitioners around the world that have doing this and they're starting programs in their community, working with, um, whether it's just a six week postpartum program or they're working at a CrossFit gym and they're complementing the classes that are done there, um, or they're doing seminars and little local workshops. They're teaming up with different PTs. They're getting out there and being really proactive, trying to serve this population. Um, and, and also to clarify, um, it's, you know, I talk about athletes, but in my world, part of my coaching philosophy is that like all women are athletes. It's just, we're on a spectrum of like what that looks like, whether it's ability or choice. Um, 
being a mom in general is an athletic demand and our activities of daily living are all movement. Like we have to be able to move well and move efficiently and then feel good. And if we're having symptoms, I hope that there's more coaches and people who know how to help manage those symptoms so that women can feel like they can keep up with the demands of not just raising their kids, but then the demands that they want to pursue as, um, in what, in their fitness choice. You know, if our goal is all encompassing holistic health, then we got to connect as many dots as possible. So, um, I'll be offering a discount code on that course. Great. Um, so Karen Litzy, our lovely podcast host, usually asks, um, this question to all of her guests. So she wants to know, knowing what you knew now, knowing what you know now, what would you tell yourself as a new graduate? Or what advice would you give yourself as a new graduate? Mm. Oh. <laughs> I know I didn't get, I threw this one yeah, at you. You did. You did <laughs> okay, so a new graduate. Um, I, this is this sounds probably bad, but I guess like we can plan everything, and then it, and then like nothing will go as planned, but it goes exactly as it should. Like cool. I don't know if that really makes sense, but. I, everything I thought I would be doing and pursuing and would care and cared about is absolutely nothing that I'm I'm really doing. It's all under the same umbrella, but like I never thought I'd care about pregnant and postpartum athletes until they became my peers, and I went through it myself. And it's just you have to trust that you know. Or I'm grateful that my career has been able to reflect and um, reflect the chapter of life that I'm in and that I can feel really passionate about it and connect those dots. And I think if we can keep keep pursuing that and find something that makes us, you know, tick and feel good. It's, I don't know, just trust the process, even if it's a really messy, messy process. <laughs> well, great. So, um, where can people find you on social media and how can people get in touch with you if they have any questions? All right. Social media, um, Instagram seems to be what has, um, just seems to be where I'm at the most. Um, it's Brianna.battles. And my website's briannabattles.com and Facebook is Everyday Battles dash Brianna Battles. <laughs> Catching on to a theme here. Um, what was the last question? Uh, email. Oh, email. email. Yeah, uh, you should contact me through my website. Okay. I don't know what email that links to. <laughs> okay, that sounds great. <laughs> well, thank you so much. We learned a ton and I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so appreciative. And once again, thank you to NetHealth for sponsoring today's episode. So if you are looking for an EMR that can do everything under one umbrella, then check out Redoc powered by XFIT. It is a cloud-based, fully integrated EMR and billing solution. Plus, you can opt in to completely outsource billing services. That's the best way to optimize your revenue. So imagine physical therapy, billing, coding, and compliance experts taking the back office work off your hands and reporting to you. This allows you to spend time doing the things you love, whether that's treating your patients, working on your business, marketing to your community, spending time in your community versus spending all of your time on documentation and billing. To learn more about Redoc and the complete revenue cycle management services, check them out at nethealth.com healthy. And again, a huge thanks to host Shannon Sepulveda and our guest today, Brianna Battles. Thank you for listening and please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com.
and don't forget to follow us on social media.